I want us to look at some stories today of some people who lived a long time ago who had incredible experiences of the light of Jesus. But if you buy a Sunday paper, I haven't bought it yet, um, you will hear, see a story about someone who is very much alive now, who's had the most extraordinary encounter with the light of Jesus. So when we sang in Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. My chains fell off. This is his story. Fraser's just going to give us a little portrait of it. Just a piece I heard on, on the radio, Radio 4 this morning, um, which was highlighting something in one of the Sunday papers uh, about Jonathan Aitken. Jonathan Aitken was a former cabinet minister um, who was imprisoned for lying on oath some 20 years ago um, and spent some time uh, in jail um, and there he became Christian. Uh, the, the news this morning was that he is just about to be ordained as a prison chaplain um, and the, the story on Radio 4 was that uh, uh, this was Jonathan Aitken, former cabinet minister in Her Majesty's government, um, who had found God after attending a prayer group led by an Irish burglar. <laughs> and that's what Jesus does, yeah. Encounters that change lives, wow. We all have our favourite season of the year. Um, I actually love midsummer, and even if we're not all sun lovers, I think we probably all love the long evenings of light, lots and lots of light. Personally, in our family, we have heaps of birthdays, heaps of weddings to celebrate, and in Totnes, the streets come to life, people eat outside, um, people become much more Mediterranean, um, street cafe comes alive, people stop and people chat. It's a lovely time of the year. And in our national uh, calendar, really, summer celebration has become part of our tradition. There's Chelsea Flower Show, there's a Royal Academy uh, summer exhibition, there's Wimbledon. It just goes on and on. And in Totnes, actually, summer festivals are very, very much the flavour of the month. So we have um, a lot of celebration of the arts in the summer. We have Ways with Words, and we have the summer uh, and summer school. So festival and light and this season go well together. But most of all, we have bright. And I think it's just wonderful that we have our summer season bright. We've had lots and lots of jokes, some serious uh, observations about bright. B-R-I-T-E, on what it means to different people. Okay, so I think God has a huge sense of humour. Some of you will know we've just moved house and I hate cleaning. And uh, we've had to do a lot of cleaning. And when we were cleaning, I found this <laughs> to clean my oven with. It is Oven Bright Cleaning Kit, spelt the wrong way, B-R-I-T-E. So that spurred me on to pray. I absolutely just love it. Um, I think God has got such a sense of humour. On um, Friday, I knew that I needed a day away um, just, to, just to be with Jesus, but actually to finally get ready for today. I knew what God wanted me to say a long, long time ago. So off I went to call it Fishacre for a lovely day. The sun was shining. It was absolutely magnificent. And I was going to just bring everything together for today. Sat down on a bench, got myself sorted. And suddenly I realised that all my information was electronic and there was no signal at college. 
which was a very interesting experience. But one of the things that I felt God wanted to say to us all today was stop, look, and listen. And in that time, I was able to stop and look and listen and see something magnificent of God's presence and God's beauty. He actually spoke to me, it was something deeply personal, which I'm not going to share with you all, but actually I was by default stopping and looking and listening. It was that was something very, very special. So right. I think it's a great time of year to have have our festival. It's um, a time to let our life light up the world. It's a time to let others see our light. You can't hide a city that's on a hilltop. I'm just going to read you something from another version of the Bible. Who would light a light and then hide it in an obscure place? Don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that they will see the commendable things the church in Totnes, the whole church in Totnes is doing. Shine as bright lights on them and they will start to praise their Father in heaven. And let's remember the first recorded words of God ever, ever, were, let there be light. And there was light. And still he is saying, let there be light, let there be light. Let's just hold that in our minds and in our hearts. The serious part of bright I want to share with you, the word bright that's leapt out of me, is a passage in Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, that's been very, very special to me for many years. This is what it is. Lovers of God walk on the highway of light and their lives shine brighter and brighter. Okay? We're not actually going to consider that at the moment. We're going to consider it a bit later, but just that first phrase, lovers of God walk on the highway of light and their way shines brighter and brighter. I want us to pray, and I'm going to use the words of a song. Father God, please be gracious to us. Everyone, please bless us. Please may your face shine brightly on us, so that your ways may be known on earth so that your salvation may be known in darkness. May we all praise you, O God, and then our land will yield its harvest, and our God will bless, God will bless, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Father, we receive your blessing. Lord Jesus, we want to bless each other, we want to bless our town, we want to be people who know your blessing, know your favour, so that people will know that you are the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Yes. Okay, so we have a bit of an installation over here. We have lots and lots of candles on a, on a tray. And I thought it would be really uh, good if everybody felt they could be involved in this morning, maybe. So what I would love you to do, and you won't all do it at once, but it's kind of going to be part of what I want to say, is when you sense that you'd like to come up and light a candle, that you come up and light a candle just as a, 
a token, as a symbol, that you are determined to be the light of the world and that you're going to pray for the festival this week. Hopefully we'll have a lovely blaze of lights afterwards, which will be a bit of a picture of us all shining brightly together. So you might suddenly think, as I'm preaching, as I'm speaking, it'll start quite soon. One and another can come up. Jesus, I really want a particular friend of mine to know your light. I'm going to light that candle. I want to know your light. I'm in a lot of darkness. I want to pray for um, LED and Catholic on Wednesday. So whatever it is, just wander up quite quietly. This is your prayer. This is your lighting of your light. So I'd love to encourage you to do that as the morning progresses. So over the past weeks, since we've been looking at the book of Acts, the Lord has been asking me a question. This is what it is. Are you, Polly, prepared for your own personal world to be turned upside down so that you can be part of my church who will go out and turn this world upside down, which is what the early church Again, are you, Polly, prepared to have your personal world turned upside down so that you can go out and turn the world upside down? I'm just going to pause a moment and just give you time to just consider whether that is something the Lord is asking you. Jesus was always turning things upside down. Tables in the temple, getting rid of money changers, and people's lives, whenever they met him, something amazing happened and their worlds were turned upside down. Jesus loved sharing food with people, he loved partying with people, he loved to heal people. And many of his early miracles were actually healing of people who were blind. They were known rather disparagingly as blind beggars. And they were were amongst the lowest of society, along with lepers at the time. So there was a man called Blind Bartimaeus. Um, he made lots of noise. He was desperate to get to Jesus. And one of the wonderful things about Jesus was that there was no health and safety in the way in which he operated. And he, he just gave sight to the blind. He broke all the rules. He used dust from the earth. He used saliva. He used whatever was available. And there were so many different ways in which Jesus healed people who were blind. So there was a nameless man who simply disappeared. We don't know what he was called. Um, there was uh, another who had a gradual healing. He said, I can see, I can partly see, I can see men like trees walking. So that was kind of a partial healing. And um, Jesus sometimes healed um, blind people on the Sabbath day, and that broke all the conventions, and it made people very, very angry. So Jesus was always turning worlds upside down. It's very hard for those of us who are sighted to imagine, actually, what it must have been like to see light for the first time. It, it's impossible. I know some of you are challenged with your eyesight and things at the moment, so you're probably more aware of that. But actually, if you've been blind all your life and you suddenly saw, it just must have been incredible. Um, it, I just, I can't imagine what it must have been like. It must have been dazzling and bright, and life was, your imagination was no longer in black and white, but in bright technicolor. What an amazing thing. And everyone who has an encounter with Jesus 
has that change. So once they saw things in black and white, and now they see things in glorious technicolour. God healed so many, many, many more people of spiritual blindness than he did of physical blindness. That's how Jesus worked with people. God says, he says to each one of us, let there be light in the darkest, murkiest places, those recesses of my inner life where there's darkness. Let there be light. And where we see darkness in our town and in our culture and in places where we spend time with people and they are going through unspeakable dark things, he says, let there be light. That's what Jesus came for, to bring light. Everyone who encounters Jesus is forever changed. They discover Jesus as our only hope and our enduring peace. That's who Jesus is, that's what he does. So, our first character who was changed, Peter. He was one of the first disciples that Jesus called. He was a man of the sea. Um, he worked in the family fishing village business. And his first encounter with Jesus was not remotely dramatic. It was, it was very pragmatic, actually. And Jesus just said to him, Peter, leave everything and follow me. And that's what Peter did. So it was a very dramatic encounter, actually, but maybe not of the kind that we would describe as dramatic. He actually left everything and, um, to follow Jesus. He surrendered everything he had wholeheartedly to Jesus. And I reckon that family business must have been a bit turned upside down. I like Peter. Well, I kind of like him. He was not a, a contemplative sort of guy. He was not very quiet. He was not particularly thoughtful. He was a bit uh, feisty. He was a bit impulsive. Uh, he opened his mouth and he put his foot in it over and over and over again. Quite like him. Um, and uh, he was good mates with two others, James and John. Peter, James and John, they were the closest friends of Jesus and um, they um, did a lot with Jesus. And they, James and John were also pretty feisty. They were described as sons of thunder. So they were all quite big characters, these guys. Um, they knew what hard work was about, these guys. So they um, knew what frenetically long, busy days were like. They weren't work shy. They also knew the intense pressures and tensions of working closely as a team. And those tensions um, were often emerging through their life together. Jesus knew just how much he and they needed to get away to pray, to stop, to look, and to listen. So I'm just going to read a few verses from Matthew's Gospel describing Jesus leaving the crowds behind and taking Peter, James and John up a mountain to be alone and pray. Jesus, Peter, James and John hiked up a high mountain to be alone. And then Jesus' appearance was dramatically altered. A radiant light as bright as the sun poured from his face and his clothing became luminescent dazzling like lightning. He was transfigured before their very eyes, and then suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared, and they spoke with Jesus. Peter blurted out, 
Lord, it's so wonderful we're all here together. If you want to, I'll construct three shrines for you. One for Moses, and one for Elijah, and one for you. While Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud composed of light spread over them, enveloping them all. And God's voice suddenly spoke from the cloud, saying, This is my loved son, the constant focus of my delight. Listen. Listen to him. The disciples were dazed and terrified by this phenomenon, and they fell face to the ground. But Jesus walked over and touched them, as he always does. And he said, get up and stop being afraid. When they finally opened their eyes and looked around, they saw no one else there but Jesus. As they hiked down the mountain together, Jesus ordered them, don't tell anyone of this divine appearance that you just witnessed. Wait until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Don't tell anyone. Wait. And in fact, Peter um, obeyed that, and it wasn't until a lot later that he began to tell that story. Peter must have actually thought in that moment that his world really had been turned upside down. This was the dramatic encounter that, that he didn't have when he was called to be a follower of Jesus. Peter was an activist and he immediately thought, I've got to do something. I've got to build a little shrine. I've got to mark the moment. Until God stopped him in his tracks and said, stop, look, and listen. And by the way, don't tell anyone about what's just happened until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Peter had to go through masses of failure um, after that, much straight speaking from Jesus and the forming of his character in some pretty fiery trials before he was ready to share this profound experience with other people. Peter had to learn that this encounter was not about productivity, it was not about information, it was all about Peter's personal inward transformation. It was all about his intimacy with God. It was all about helping him to see Jesus as the light of the world in his inner life. Jesus is satisfying his thirst. And I just want to say, actually, that that happened, that transformation, not only for Peter alone with God, but in community, in community with Jesus and the other disciples. So it was, it was both and. When I was preparing, well, when I, when I wasn't preparing, when I was up at Colin Fishacre, um, I felt God spoke, and he said that there's going to be one or two people here on Sunday morning, and you've had these kind of encounters, and you just don't really know what to do with them. They've kind of bowled you over, and you, you haven't really known what's been going on, but you've known something profound has happened. And um, I want to encourage you, whoever you are, that... Um, it's actually really good to um, be part of community and to, to learn to, um, to actually share your life with one or two other people, um, as Peter did. And then you can start to have other people who help you to make sense of what those things are that are so big you don't know what to do with them. Concerns. So I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, you know every heart here. 
and you know who's seen things that is just too big and, and too bright and, and too amazing to have words for. And thank you, Jesus, you understand all of that. And thank you, Jesus, that you're after our hearts. And thank you, Jesus, that you um, have provided us with church community, with church family, to help one another um, along that journey of transformation. Amen. So, I want to just read a quote from this lovely book. G.K. Chesterton said, There is a road from the eye to the heart that does not go through the intellect. An early church father in a book called The Cloud of Unknowing says that God destroys the ingenuity of our own learning and natural intelligence as we are inwardly stirred by the Spirit of God. He destroys the ingenuity of our own learning and natural intelligence as we are inwardly disturbed and stirred by the Spirit of God. All we need to do is ask, and he will begin to do that. Um, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I think I'm going to tell it. We had an amazing family celebration yesterday. I think there were about 46 people there. It was in Bath. And um, an aunt of ours, Fraser's aunt, Auntie Margaret, had her 90th birthday. Um, it was amazing. And Auntie Margaret has known her fair share of loss in life and disappointment. She hasn't, everything hasn't been... Uh, plain sailing. Um, but someone who's much younger in, in my family said to me, why, why do you think her mind is so clear and she's so alive and she does, she, she's, good, she's got an amazing memory and uh, she, she just has, is full of peace. And because I know Auntie Margaret very well, or fairly well, I know, and I'd had a lovely chat with her, I know that she spends much of her life stopping and looking and listening and living in the presence of Jesus. She's a very vibrant lady, actually, full of life, but actually lots and lots of time. And I thought, God, I don't want to be 90 before I learn that. Mm. And a lot of you are quite young, and you're bombarded, absolutely bombarded, with information overload in our society. But I believe that the secret of following Jesus and enjoying his light is actually to stop, to look and listen. As Peter was made to do, and as my auntie, Mar our auntie Margaret has learned to do. So there's lots of stories of people whose lives are forever changed, who have these amazing encounters. So there's Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. I expect most of us have heard the phrase, the Damascus Road experience. It's quite a common phrase. But I think we have to really read this story quite carefully because we miss the point if we say, I've never had an experience like that. That'll never happen to me. I'm not that sort of person. That is not what the story is about at all. So I'd just like to read you um, a little bit um, about Saul. Just a very short passage. So Saul had this encounter with the light of Jesus, a remarkable encounter, after Jesus had gone back into heaven. 
He was a very proud and high-ranking religious leader. He was immersed in Jewish law. And he was a man who could debate with the best minds of the day. He was an intellectual academic. Um, but, there was a but, and I just wrote this down and I, I want to read it to you. He was a man who knew nothing of a life-transforming relationship with God, who is a God of love. He was an angry man. He was full of rage and he was full of threats and he hated followers of Jesus. And this is what happened to him. He was just off to persecute some more Christians. He hated Christians so much. As I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a brilliant heavenly light suddenly appeared, flashing all round me. I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus, the victorious. I am the one you are persecuting. Those who were with me saw the brilliant light, but they didn't hear the voice of the one who spoke. So I asked, Lord, what am I to do? And the Lord said, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that you are destined to do. Because of the dazzling glory of the light I couldn't see, I was left blind. So they had to lead me by the hand the rest of the way into Damascus. A Jewish man living there named Ananias came to see me. He was a godly man who lived according to the law and was highly esteemed by the Jewish community. He stood beside me and he said, Saul, my brother Saul, open your eyes and see again. At that very instant I opened my eyes and I could see. And he said to me, the God of our ancestors has destined you to know his plan and for you to see the Holy One and to hear his voice. You will be his witness to every race of people and will share with them everything you've seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptised and wash away your sins as you call on his name. So the really interesting thing about that story, the account I've made of it, is actually, it's Paul's, he's telling his testimony. And it was probably about three years after he had that extraordinary encounter. And in that time, he lived a fairly solitary life. Um, but what I think is so interesting is that part of his journey was meeting someone else, being able to share faith with someone else, and having someone else help him towards that, that baptism, which is such an important step. And so what an important thing it was for Saul, not only to have his own amazing encounter, but to immediately have a link with Christian community. Peter and Paul were men who were flawed by insecurity, pride and anger. And they were radically changed when they encountered the light and life of Jesus. They were men who had experiences of the glory of God that they had no words for. They, were, they became followers of Jesus who were prepared to do anything to turn the world upside down for Jesus. They were being prepared for a life of unspeakable joy and God's favour and persecution. And I believe that is exactly the same for us. We're asking him to bless us and to favour us, to shine on us so that we can go out and be lights into our world. God doesn't play hide and seek with us. Jesus says, 
If you seek me with all your heart, you will surely find me. God is our creator, he's our father, he is our saviour, and by nature he loves to make himself known to us. That's what he, he, he longs to show us who he is. He seeks, he finds, and he gives life in all its fullness. We're going to um, have um, something slightly different now as part of this next part of the morning. We're going to look at a scripture um, from Proverbs 4. Um, first of all, we're going to read it together and then Liz and um, Heather are going to come up and I'll explain to you what we're going to do. Okay, let's, let's read it together. Let's all stand up and read it together. Lovers of God walk on the highway of light, and their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you, and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Okay, we'll leave that up. Do sit down. So we're going to um, just go through these scriptures, um, take a little phrase at a time. I'm just going to draw a couple of thoughts um, out of them and then we'll move on to the next one, not necessarily too quickly. Lovers of God walk on the highway of light and their way shines brighter and brighter until they bring forth the perfect day. And I sense that there are some people here who aren't quite sure if they've started walking on that highway of light.
before me, the feast of your love, of your light, of your goodness. There's a man who lived 350 years ago who learned things that we all need to learn today. All men's miseries, wrote the French mathematician Blaise Pascal, derived from not being able to sit alone. the welfare of your innermost being. From there flows the very wellspring of your life. Silence builds the fire within, and silence guards the fire within. 
our hearts and minds. Thank you, Jesus, that we can know you as the light of the world. Thank you, Jesus, that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard what you have prepared for those who love you, those who listen to you, those who obey you. I actually wrote this during the last family night. I was so inspired and amazed by what was going on in the mission communities and what was coming up with Bright that uh, my pen just started going. And uh, I didn't hear a word Kate said because I was too busy writing, so apologies to Kate. Listen, can you hear it? There's a gentle rustling. Listen. Can you hear it? The trees are starting to move. Listen. Can you hear it? The wind is blowing stronger. Keep on listening. Reach out. Feel it. Embrace it. Hunger for it. Be jealous for the wind. And suddenly it will be a mighty gale. Listen. There's a sound of water trickling. Mm. Listen, the stream is gathering strength. Listen, the stream is becoming a river. Jump in, splash and play. Jump in and be soaked by the water. It's up to your knees. It's up to your waist. It's amazing. Welcome it. Turn your face. Can you feel it? There's a gentle warming. Turn your face. Can you feel it? Getting warmer. Getting warmer. There is a power coming. Turn your face. Can you feel it? The heat is turning up. Bringing health. Bringing life. Bringing God. Turn your face. Can you feel it? The giver of life is breathing. There is a drip, drip, drip. The oil is starting to flow. The drip is coming more quickly. The spirit is stirring the people. There is a drip, splashing who knows where. The oil, the oil is really flowing. Teaching, changing, cleansing, healing. Get under the flow of the oil. The spirit is moving. Get under the flow of the oil. Open your eyes. 
there's a light on the hill. Open your eyes, the light is shining bright. Open your eyes, the light it is calling. Open your eyes, look around, look around. Ones and twos, they are walking. Yeah. Open your eyes, look around, look around. Look out further, they are coming. Some walking, some crawling, some running. Look around, look around. The light is drawing them in. Thank you, Jesus. That you are the light of the world. Thank you that you use us to be lights in your world. So help us, Jesus. Amen. <laughs>